Hello and welcome to Global. And I'm really delighted to uh, have uh, Dr. Zuvia Hamiduddin with me, who is a long-time medical practitioner. She's an she's MD and based in uh, New York State. In uh, and her specialization is internal medicine. Uh, Dr. Zuvia Hamiduddin is an active member of the community here in New York, but also a writer. Also comes from a very literary background. But today we will talk more about medicine and public health. And the reason I invited her and took her time uh, was uh, to do with the fact that uh, COVID, uh, unfortunately, is back in the US and uh, more and more cases are being reported. More and more cases of long COVID are being discussed. And while we were talking, uh, I heard Dr. Zuvia mention uh, the attitudes towards vaccination and how still in the US, so many Americans are uh, influenced by online misinformation uh, through Facebook, through other forms of media, and they resist uh, vaccinations and masks and how important it is uh, for immunocompromise for the elderly and for everyone to exercise uh, caution. It is not just about one's individual health, though that is important, but for the public health, for the public good. So welcome, Dr. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe you can uh, uh, talk a bit more about your experience as a medical practitioner, as a doctor, uh, what you go through on a daily basis in this regard. Thank you so much, Raza, for having me on your uh, on your show. I am, uh, you know, I, I just want to point out, I am speaking from Neuroshell. Neuroshell was at one time the epic center of COVID. This is where patient zero was. This is where <clears throat> Governor Como, who then became a voice uh, for uh, for prevention and treatment of COVID almost all over the world at that time, he was being followed, uh, spoke about and had put a parameter of one mile, one mile radius, which obviously was <laughs> not enough <laughs> because COVID spread, it took many lives, caused lots of problem. I don't have to go through all this. We've all suffered enough for the last three years, or actually more than that. Like in, up, the COVID is coming back. The incidence is going up again. Right now, as of last week, the numbers in New York are that we've had 1,275 cases per thousand, which is about, which is about like 10%, 10% population. When 10% of the population uh, start getting COVID, you know, we do show, start showing some concern, you know. Uh, the variant which is right now common is EG5 which is of course in itself a variant of the Omicron, you know? And the new variant that is coming now is, is called BA 2.86, 2.86. Now this variant that is now, a, a, you know, as of August 30th, we, we have seen it definitely documented in, in four states in, uh, in the United States, has 30 mutations already. You know, and each mutation is an evolutionary process on the part of the virus, which becomes, uh, you know, in layman's term, we can say it becomes more stronger or rather it, it, we should say it becomes more lethal, more able to penetrate, more able to cause damage, you know. So right. just for trivia's sake, BA-286 is, uh, is being called PROLA, 
basically, you know, they're getting the, the name for it by using the Greek letter pi and rho. So we're calling it pyrola, pyrola is, is what it's being called. And as I said, it has about 30 variants, you know. Uh, you know, we do check waste matter and the, uh, the waste matter has shown that the incidence is indeed going up. The incidence in, in, uh, in the whole of the United States is anywhere from 17 to almost 25 percent. They are saying they're seeing these incidences of COVID. Most of them are relatively, they do not require hospitalization. So that's the good part. It's important to remember that this has happened because of herd immunity. We have developed a herd immunity because by getting the infection and by getting the vaccination, you right. know, except that with the new virus, new mutants that are coming, it is important that we get revaccinated. Most of us have not been vaccinated for close to a year. Yes, including myself. I'm going to get an appointment. <laughs> the, the new vaccine is supposed to come out in the middle of September. Today is what, the 16th? Yes. You know, I think that we need to get it out as quick as possible, you know, so that it can be given to all. Now, so I would like to talk about what is happening right now with the virus um, and also to talk about what has happened politically, you know. Yes. So before, that you is go on, uh, before you uh, go further, Dr. Zuvi, I just want to uh, tell the viewers that thousands of cases, as Dr. Hamiduddin said, Thousands of cases have, have been reported, and in certain cases, in, pl in places like Nebraska, the positive rate has been 13% plus. And it's yeah, a large it is 17 to 25%. I mean, that's a pretty significant number. Yes. One in four, we are not even saying one in 10. They are getting, they're getting positive. The good yes. part is, as I said, herd immunity. The second good part is that we have medications like uh, uh, Paxlovid, uh, uh, which is uh, which has been a great blessing. It is produced by Pfizer. It has proven itself to be by far the best. It really does make a difference. It is best if it is taken in the first five days after the symptoms start. So, you know, delaying it is not a good idea and it definitely, definitely helps. Um, so the booster, as I said, is, is extremely important. Prevention is, again, we can't emphasize enough. Pre prevention means mass are not a bad idea, particularly to those who have lowered immunity because of their age or because of whatever factor. If the incident goes up to about 20% in any particular state, we definitely would like to bring the mask back. Actually, even before that, people will have to make the decision because at this point, whether these are uh, you know, medical administration administrators, or whether these are you know pol politicians, they do not want to make this decision. The important thing is to get vaccinated, wash your hands, wear the mask. This we know is a foolproof method. The mask should fit you tightly. Uh, N95s are easily available. You know, at this point, it's not like it is not available. Uh, you know, and so that is what I was going to say now. The main thing here is, as we were talking, as you had mentioned, that, you know, the that the social medias have not been, you know, very, have not been, how shall I say, they are not regulating what they are putting on at all. With the net result that there has been all kind of conspiracy theories, there have been all kind of fake science that is being distributed, you know. If you have any questions, I would say, please talk to your doctor and try and get the information. 
Now, the problem has become that people have started mixing politics with prevention. Governor DeSantis has decided to distinguish himself, and I'm not just, this is all over the paper, so I'm not just talking through my hat, so to speak of, in which he has said very clearly that he is not going to subject his constituents, which means Florida state residents, to either masks or to vaccination, uh, the younger population, population under the six, under the age of 65, he is basically going to support the decision not to mask and not to get the vaccination. This is the political reason for which he's doing it, because at the, at, at, in one, it, he wants to distinguish himself from President Trump, who at one level he also supports. I mean, he has said it very clearly that if he is the choice of the Republican Party, he will vote for him. But this is becoming like a distinguishing factor that he's working on, you know. Uh, yes. So, but I think that we all have to be cognizant of all of these issues, social media, vis-a-vis -vis the fact that we are also so done with it. You know, we keep hearing it, even comedians and rather, I don't know what to call them, like somebody like Bill Maher who says, I'm so done with it. I don't care. Everybody should go and get it, you know, more or less except that there is long COVID. It is causing problems. You know, at one time when COVID first came, the most of the population, the population that suffered the most was the minorities, the Hispanics, the Blacks. Right now, you know, and there were not too many people, say, for instance, in, uh, you know, in Massachusetts who were suffering from it. But this time around, we are seeing it in our elderly population. Uh, and the administration of institutions, including some of the SNFs, which is the skilled nursing care facilities, rehab facilities, are very reluctant and almost hesitant because of the political pressure to, to start emphasizing that it is time to take measures such as wearing the mask again. According to NPR, which was day before yesterday, they talked about how the Veterans Administration nursing home facilities in New Jersey, these are huge, and they had come under criticism previously also, are once again showing a higher incidence of death of the residents of these facilities with COVID, that is, uh, than, than other institutions. And this has to do with, to, to a large extent, because of poor administration, not proper checks and who's coming in and going out. Um, and of course, not wearing the mask, you know, so, so, uh, so, Dr. tell us, how do you deal with uh, your patients when they come in with all these ideas from Facebook or Twitter and other sources? You know, I'm sure there are arguments even when you tell them, get a vaccination or get a mask, etc. How do you deal with that as a medical practitioner? Uh, you know, it, it has been a learning curve. I thought I knew how to practice medicine, but... <laughs> You keep learning new things, just like we had to learn about AIDS and we had to learn about uh, about the swine flu and then about the West Nile. And now we have learned about uh, COVID, you know, uh, and it's always done, you know, when you are running full at full speed and you have to learn all this too. So, you know, I've always used the direct approach. And as I said, I have been in practice in the same place for a long time and I thought I had good relationship with patients, but obviously, however good my relationships may have been with them, it is not equal to the social media, whoever they are, 
Yeah. They, they trust what they're seeing. <laughs> Some stranger tell them on social media. So the direct approach I found out was totally backfired. They do not want to hear that. You have to stand there. It's a, it's a consumption of time and nod your head and kind of listen. In the beginning, you know, and, and it's very interesting because as I'm developing new methods of how to communicate with them, they are developing new methods on how to convince me that what I am saying is incorrect. <laughs> you know, um, Dr. Google, I, I can't even say it's Dr. Google. This is Dr. Social Media, you know, conspiracy theory. I've had patients who live here in Larchmont go all the way into deep New Jersey, into horse country to get treated by a veterinarian. I'm not making it up because for a while, the, one of the theories that was being promoted was that uh, this horse deworming medication is the one that you should take. Now, why would somebody who I've taken care of for 30 years want to cross the GW bridge, drive 70 miles off, go to a veterinarian and take a medication is beyond me. I mean, I think we have to do, uh, you're into media, so you'll have to do some study as to, uh, and understand that your influence is far greater than a person who's sitting directly in front of a person physically. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Dr. Hamiduddin, one of the problem has been these conspiracy theories that you mentioned, but one conspiracy theory that I have come across. In fact, I know a, a gentleman of Pakistani descent who keeps on sending these long emails to me in which he says that the vaccine is, is actually a conspiracy by the government to yes. track us. So tell, me, tell the viewers about that these vaccines are safe. So when the first the vaccines came out, you know, uh, the saddest thing is that, you know, we have lost people, people that I knew. As I said, it started in New Rochelle and we really wore the brunt of it. Just like Brooklyn, where my daughter practices, really, really, they wore the brunt of it. Park Slope area and all of those, you know, even the fancy areas, they did. The amount of deaths that we saw, the fact that we had <clears throat> freezer truck outside where the bodies were being placed, the fact that we lost our colleagues, you know, uh, nurses, social workers, physicians, you know, at that time, no vaccine was available. So the conspiracy theories are especially against the vaccine. And these, a lot of them, it's very interesting. It, it has brought out, perhaps it was because we were locked up. I'm not quite sure. People who themselves eventually showed up and took the vaccine were trying to spread rumors, and I knew these people, saying that they are going to put a chip in you. You know, you're going to have a chip in you. I mean, I was surprised. I mean, so they're going to start putting free chips in us, you know, and you are going to be, you know, they're going to be able to monitor you. They are going to be able to do this to you, do that to you. It was shocking. The big thing among our South Asian community has been, uh, and that includes family members, who have become convinced that if they give the vaccine, especially to the girls, they are their fertility is going to be completely rendered nil and they are not going to be able to have children. And I've had conversations with them telling them that from the time, even before conception, the number of eggs that a young girl or baby girl or whatever you want to call it is going to have are there. <laughs> There's nothing, I mean, short of radiating that baby or doing something else, the vaccine is not going to do anything. But this has become a big factor, you know, 
um, particularly in South Asians, where they feel that they are going to um, interfere with their children's, in, rather, let's put it like this, that the children will be rendered unable to have children of their own. And they don't want to take this responsibility. Yes. But, you know, on the, uh, but here in the United States, I mean, you know, I often, uh, you know, sometimes I now Facebook has tried to uh, clamp down on these theories. But I've seen myself, you know, these terrible uh, ideas about this, how yes. bad vaccine is, it's going to damage you, it's going to damage your thing and, the, you know, etc, etc. And all the doctors I've spoken to in the last two, three years, Dr. Zuvia, including yourself, uh, vouch for uh, the scientific research that has gone on. So, I mean, how do we, I mean, you know, can doctors um, uh, start, I mean, uh, at the community level, maybe have more community uh, communication, better information uh, to overcome this this uh, propaganda, you know? I, I think the propaganda element starts with the deregulation, the yellow journalism that is no longer, there's no such thing as that. Uh, I was reading in the New Yorker about uh, one of the comedians, uh, I think his name is Hassan Minaj for that instance. And, 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 and I like him, don't get me wrong. And they're talking about the fact that the lies between truth and untrue have become blurred. So you can kind of mix up stories to because to get the effect that you want on your viewer. I, I do appreciate what he's saying because he's really an artist and a performer. And performers will very often take several stories together and put them together to come up with one cohesive you know, sort of a scenario and give it to you. Except that at this point, because the social, with the advent of social media, it seems to me that everybody thinks they have become an artist of some kind. They mm -hmm. all think that they can imagine things, you know, that they can start putting facts and fictions together. Almost all of these kind of, especially the conspiracy theories are put forward by people who will say, I know it happened to me or it happened to my mother or it happened to my father, you know, or it happened to somebody I know. So, so it's, you know, obviously anytime you kind of, this, so these are kind of anecdotal. People don't understand what science and what is science and what is an anecdote, but also people do, you know, the personal mention always gets much more attention as opposed to numbers, you know. Partly it has to do with our own education system, which has failed us. You know, yeah. it, the, the fact that the foundation for science, for civic responsibility, there used to be a subject called civic that used to be introduced and used to be talk about how to be a good citizen, what it entailed, you know, our own, our own, uh, how shall I say, the, the fact that the United States itself had cut off the amount of monies that had been allotted for preventing pandemics. It wasn't even that much of monies, you know, but that made a big difference. Prior to the advent of COVID-19, for instance, when we had something like Ebola, not just the United States, but, you know, it is a big, major contributor to the WHO also, um, when they heard that any kind of an epidemic or pandemic or before they became a pandemic started anywhere, the biggest thing the United States always did was, and I am specifically talking about the US here, other countries also did that, was to promptly arrive there as gift-bearing, you know, well-wishers, you know, 
which would include hazmat suits, which will include all kind of things, try to contain the infection wherever it was. So when this infection became, finally the WHO, uh, it was in on the 27th of December, actually by November, the rumblings had started, 2019. By the 27th of December is, uh, is when WHO said, yes, this is taking place and it's going to be a pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. So it was kept under, uh, how shall I say, it was kept cloaked for a very long time. And of course, you know, the responsibility of the Chinese government and of China cannot be, cannot be, how shall I say, it, I cannot, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we can't condone it and we can't say that they are not responsible. But, you know, almost all of these big powers, let's face it, we all, uh, the common vernacular, we will say that we do have spies everywhere. And our spies or our uh, people who gather intelligence, intelligence gatherers, so to speak of, that we send with our embassies are not just looking at what they are doing in their uh, you know, education department of science or polit political, but we almost always have kept intelligence gatherers for what is going on medically, what is going on, because you, that's important. That's an important point to understand because part of defense, part of our defense budget, which is huge, is supposed to defend us also from infections, from pandemics, from all kind of uh, how shall I say it, uh, all kind of calamities that will cause harm to the U United States citizens. So that emphasis was kind of removed. Usually they are attached as liaisons to the uh, to the American embassies. They're given some kind of a title, you know, they'll be given some kind of a PR title, you know, and their job basically involves in entertaining and getting to know the people. A lot of them are going to be either physicians or somebody with some kind of a scientific background, but that was just not done. So basically we also had our eyes closed, our ears closed, because I don't know whether it was because we didn't have enough people there, probably didn't have enough, or they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. You know, I'll tell you something very interesting. My oldest daughter works for a large American institution. And actually she was the first one. So people, she's an investment banker. So they were, she was the first one who mentioned to me saying, this is coming, mom, this is coming. This is going to be big. This is going to cause big financial. Of course, she was thinking in terms of finance. So more than the medical community, more than the scientific community, more than our defense, it was, yes. it was American finance that was trying to ring the alarm bell. Yes. So that is a big failing that we have not addressed. It's so much easier to start putting pushing Asians in front of trains or start stabbing them or, or you know, attacking. You know, this has all happened. I'm not saying something that has not happened. You know, but right. we have to sort of look at our own self and understand how did we reach this point that we didn't know what was going on. Why did we reach this point? What are our feelings and how can we prevent this from happening? I'll tell you something very tiny, um, but it's very important that Henry Schein, which is great, I'm, I'm, I'm not criticizing Henry Schein by any means. I, I am the customer too. Every medical institution, whether it is Walter Reed or whether it is 
a small of doctor's office like myself, or whether it is a big institution like Presbyterian, we all are customers of Henry Schein. Henry Schein has an exclusive on buying a lot of things and they do a good job. So for the masks, we have depended 100% on China. 100% on China. Henry Schein has a contract for the next, yes, for the next, like it was 10 years when it first came off. So it's probably another seven years that they will only buy from China. Under President Obama, there were factories or whatever you want to call it. I mean, they're not even really that complicated factories in Kansas, et cetera, that were given a guarantee because, you know, when we, when the mask thing came up that yes, 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 we will always buy from you. We will, you keep making it, we'll keep it in a storage. But, you know, we kind of reneged on that. And those people who had invested in putting up these factories really suffered. Some of them declared bankruptcy. So there was nobody making mask. It's not enough to say, you know, just make a cloth mask, which became like a big cry. I'm going to make it. I'll show you how to do it. No, certain materials is needed to stop the virus from yeah. <laughs> respiratory system. I mean, there have been so many mistakes made with this virus. We should learn from this. We should. End because uh, our uh, show has a limited time, so yes, it was such I, a pleasure. It, 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 I, yeah, go on, please conclude. I was just saying thank you so much for having me on your show, and I hope that I've made people think at least, even if I haven't convinced them. I'm hoping that they have started to think a little bit and, and become cognizant that there are other sites that they can look at CDC, New York State, any other. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hamid And we'll keep, we'll keep on talking about other issues as well. Goodbye. Yes, absolutely we will. Take care for the office. Take care. So, uh, viewers, uh, you just heard Dr. Hamiduddin speak about uh, COVID, long COVID, the urgency of masks and vaccination. And I hope this video will do a little bit in countering the disinformation that we have about COVID and about uh, public uh, safety and public health. And please share it and please tell everyone to wear a mask, uh, uh, not just in the US, but in Europe and other parts of the world, because we are still not done with COVID. And with that, goodbye.